Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is Oscars Playback on the Gold Derby Podcast Network. Welcome back to Gold Derby. I'm Christopher Rosen. I'm joined by Joyce Ng. Joyce, for the last time here, this is a season finale. It's a wonderful time for Oscar. Oscar, Oscar. We've, we're closing with Billy again. So. We're closing with Billy again. We went a completely a circuitous and un- unorganized route but it's still the last year of the decade but we saved the last year of the decade movies of 1999 for our final look at 90s oscars ceremonies uh what a year 99 in film was the Trace. best year I, the best year in general i love 1999 like great year in film great year in tv music life really even with like the y2k angst <laughs> Really was a great time. Uh, Brian Raftery wrote a great book about it called 1999 Best Movie Year Ever. Uh, that was what, was, what was that, the EW cover? I don't even remember. Let me see. It was like about like 1999. It was like the best. I have year to ever. Google. You can't even, I mean, EW's archives are just, I know, uh, just wrecked. It was the yeah, year yeah. that changed movies. Exactly. From The Matrix yeah. and The Blair Witch Project to American Beauty and The Sixth Sense, the last year of the millennium was transformative in Hollywood. As if you're watching this, is that or, the cover line? That's very long. That was the subhead on this. Okay. There's no, you can't even find the covers anymore, Joyce. They don't even exist. The, the site you is probably order it off of like Amazon. Yeah, maybe on eBay. Dollars. I'll look later. We can look it up. Yeah, uh, a fantastic year. Uh, the we'll get to the Oscars uh, later. We'll do 99 year uh, our final time in the 90s in film. What a what a sad. When we come back and do this again. We'll do different decade, I guess. But 99 and I film. guess we're just going to redo the 90s. We could do this again. I would do the 90s again. I'm I mean, we could do like subsects of the 90s. Yeah. Like 90s kids movies. Sure. Ducks, obviously. Love that. Uh, we'll go through the top grossing year uh, films of the year, which doesn't even touch on, like we said, this is a transformative year for film. But the top grossing movie was to uh, to the to the to the delight of that Oscars uh Per ABC executive uh, at, who was down on the 1999 Oscar ceremony because of how the ratings were not super high. Uh, Star Wars Episode One: The Phantom Menace was the top grossing movie uh, of the 1999 year. And that uh, executive was referenced in Inside Oscar 2. He was. Joyce, I have, I have some good news for you. I'm, I decided since this is our last one, I would go out with a bang and I actually read the chapter of Inside Oscar 2. I know you sent me a screen grab. I said I have so many screen grabs on this phone that I'm just going to be reading off. It's it's in it's in going to blow your mind. I, I was able to put words. I was able to put my eyes onto text and read 
geez, I, you know. What was that experience like? It's so it was pretty great. I guess this is why people like reading things. It was so informative. And, and you learn information. Yeah, process. really great. I, I love it so much. But Star Wars Episode One: Phantom Menace, t- top grossing movie of the year. I- I'll give you quickly on Star Wars. I don't know if you're a Star Wars person, Joyce. Uh, I'm not big on Star Wars much. So I was. Now I saw this movie about four times in the movie theater, and I had to convince myself after each time that it was good. And I think well, about I guess maybe what a lot of people did. Maybe about the third time. I was like, this sucks. And it's not good. And you still uh, saw it a fourth time. Yeah, got to make sure it's not, it's good. Uh, I, I, I can't, I don't think it's hard. It's hard now to understand, like to explain, I think to people who weren't Fair. alive or like <laughs> caring, but like the idea that they were doing prequels to Star Wars was so cool. And like, it was talked about for so long. And there was such a huge gap between uh, Return of the Jedi, which is 83 to Phantom Menace, which is 99. I was like, there was used to be a website called Corona Coming Attractions. Do you remember that website? Yes, I remember Corona. Used to read it all the time. And Phantom Menace was like, holy cow, this is going to be great. And it was, this was before, obviously now prequels and like all these different things are so uh, pat, right? Like, it's like, this is how you tell stories up to and including Lightyear as a movie, right? Like, uh, the not was the man, the toy. <laughs> but it was like cool to imagine because like a lot of the stuff in Star Wars that was so... It, I was so we were so naive because obviously now I think it's so it's destructive as creative but at the time when it was like oh Obi-Wan talking about the Clone Wars with Luke man we're gonna get to see that and like get to see all this different stuff and it's gonna be so cool and then George Lucas was like this is gonna be about taxation of trade routes with a lot of super problematic uh, aliens for some reason where they're talking with these offensive accents and then we're gonna build the whole movie around a, a child actor who is bad. Mm-hmm. And, and also so, you have Jar Jar Binks. All of it was rough. Uh, just everyone was so stiff. Not a great experience, though a great John Williams score. And actually, the one of the reasons I think I kept going back to Phantom Menace, and I think if you do watch it now, it's definitely like, to me, it's the best of these prequels. Though I don't even know if people think that now. I don't actually know what the current Star Wars discourse is around the prequels. It seems like they actually got a renaissance because a lot of people, people who people grew up them. with them. Right. <laughs> A lot of people who grew up with them as kids, like, oh, those are the Star Wars movies that I like, right? Like, it's like a kid movie, basically. But I remember the ending of Phantom Menace is really cool. Like, the way he, uh, George Lucas cross cuts between, like, all the different action scenes, and there's the Darth Maul fight, and Obi-Wan is great, and Neil McGregor's still doing Obi-Wan now. Anyway, Star Wars number one at the box office. Did you see it in the theater? I did not see any of them in a theater, any of the, the prequel trilogies in the theater. Um, I, I, again, like, I don't really care, and um, I've talked about this before when there's like such a large gap uh, from like the last movie. I, I think we were talking about this with The Godfather. Yeah. Like between the, the most recent film and then the new film, I'm just like, I don't know if I need this. <laughs> and like, I'm fine with like what we already had. Like, I feel like it's kind of, especially now with the Star Wars, all, all these Star Wars shows like Obi-Wan and everything. Right. It's like a cash grab, really. Now it is, yeah. yeah but at the time, it was a novelty. I mean, but, it was not like and that. Then it's, yeah, so my biggest recollection of Phantom Menace is, so uh, Natalie Portman, like us, is from Long Island. Yes. She went to Syosset High School. Uh-huh. And so I was uh, in, still, I was in eighth grade in, in the spring of 99. So I was about to graduate middle school and then go into high school in the fall. So I wasn't in high school yet. But there was like all the buzz um, in the school was that a senior from my high school was going to her prom at Syosset. Wow. 
and this was you know um, like Phantom Menace came out in late May like prom was like in June or whatever and that was just all the buzz like that's what everyone was talking about that like this guy I don't even know his name but he was going <laughs> to Natalie Portman's prom the star of Star the Wars. Phantom Menace wow yeah. incredible mm-hmm. uh Number two movie, the box office. I saw all of these in the theater. Also, this was so I was a I was I graduated in two thousand. So this was my senior year was ninety nine, uh, and I have stories for all of these that I will not bore you with completely. But I have some other ones that I like mentally took note of. But I saw all these in the theater and uh, was super excited to see them. So this was great. Ninety nine was a, a prime movie going year for me and my pals. Uh, Six Sense saw it in the theater. Uh, so that was summer before senior year, obviously. But anyway, I didn't see that in a theater, but I knew the twist. So I saw it in theater and I saw with my one of my good friends, Chris, who I'm still friends with. And I remember leaning over to him and being like, he's dead. I called it like it was so it was it wow, was after I did. I was like, oh, man, he's not alive. I called it after the anniversary scene. Like he goes out when he goes out. He was clearly not there. I felt I just felt like that was like a giveaway. Uh, we just spoiled the, the sixth sense. He's dead the whole time. Uh I feel like the statute of limitations it's on spoilers years. It's fine. pretty, pretty gone. Uh, love that movie. Thought it was a great movie. Haven't seen it in a long time, but I remember thinking yeah. it was really good. Yeah. Uh, Toy Story 2 was not a big fan of, but obviously number third highest grossing movie of the year. I don't really remember much from the first two Toy Stories. Yeah. I saw them. Um, remember the third one vividly. Uh, I saw the third the one's traumatic. The, yeah. The, I, it, again, it should have just ended with the third one. Yeah. Uh, fourth one, unnecessary. I saw that in the theater. It was Same. fine. Yeah. Forky was in the fourth one. Yes, Forky. Uh, number four movie was The Matrix. Saw this in the theater. Absolutely loved it. Was This was an actual word of mouth sensation, right? Mm-hmm. I remember going, I remember the trailers were great because I think we, I saw it on opening weekend and it was like people were amped to see it. And then it was like, holy shit, this rules. And it, it still rules. I watched it again before uh, Matrix Resurrections, which was not very good. But the yeah, Matrix is amazing. Back to that, uh, unbelievable movie. Don't have to do more. <laughs> Completely holds up, and uh, probably I, I will mention it many times in the uh, when we're doing our extra Oscar picks here because I think it could have gotten a few more nominations. It obviously went four for four, I believe. It uh, went four for four. Um, one of the clean sweeps without uh, winning Best Picture. Right, but or really even being nominated for Best Picture. Really, really, probably should have been. It's a fantastic movie. The Tarzan, uh, Disney movie, uh, number five at the box office. Never saw Tarzan. I can't even tell you if I've seen it, honestly. I do not remember. I've seen this movie, but um, this was at uh, when the Disney Renaissance era was dying out, really. Yeah, but the, the You'll Be In My Heart uh, wins uh, yes. Oscars here. And we'll talk about that because I've read a lot on Inside Oscar about Trey Parker uh, and Matt I Stone. mean, you don't remember that when it was happening? When they were no, honestly, I don't. Gonna so funny, but <laughs> yeah. Uh, Tarzan was five. The Mummy was six. Saw this in the theater. Totally forgettable, but seemingly like a lot of fun. It was like the big May kickoff movie. It, it was fine. Um, this was the my introduction to Rachel Weisz. Same. Well, so. Exactly. Uh, Notting Hill was seven. A great Julia. Great Julia performance. Great Julia movie with uh, Hugh Grant. The World is Not Enough, which is a very, very mediocre Bond movie, is eight. I saw that in the theater. Uh, number nine is our best picture winner, American Beauty, which was a absolute phenomenon. And I actually think the Inside Oscar kind of short trips how big it was. And then number 10 was Austin Powers 2, which was also a phenomenon. Uh, I remember seeing that the night it opened on Thursday. I think we went Thursday night. They did screen. This was, again, a novelty at the time, but they did like Thursday night screenings for this. 
and it was the night of the MTV Movie Awards, I believe, it opened like it June 12th. June, yeah. And I remember going and seeing it. Austin Powers, uh, the original was, uh, at the time you were able to do this, it came out, I think, in the spring of 97 and was not very well attended or noticed. I think it made like 50 million or whatever it was. And then uh, everyone watched it and it became like an absolute phenomenon and quoted a million times. So the sequel was just like, holy cow, we got to see this right away. And it was fine. I remember thinking it wasn't as funny as the first one, but had a lot of, uh, this was the the fat bastard one, I believe is is the main character yeah, or main I, thing. I saw this in theater. It was fine. I, I didn't see the first one in theater um, like most people didn't. Um, I saw Gold Member, the third one in the theater. Yikes. I saw that, I know. And that was also when my family and I were on vacation in Massachusetts. So we wow. saw it. That was like one of our like well, uh, outings. activities. We saw wow. Gold Member, yeah. You know, I thought of Gold Member this week because Tom Hanks actually plays Gold Member in Elvis, as it turns out. I didn't know that. Uh, American Beauty, Joyce. So this was a big movie, obviously. Now it's fraught and canceled probably. And I watched it again last night so we, so we could talk about this. But I will just say, my before we go through the rest of the year movies, and we'll talk about American Beauty a ton, I'm sure, during this. This was a huge, it was, uh, I believe it premiered at TIFF uh, this year in 99. And, but it was coming out, I think it came out September 15th or September 17th. It came out in September. And um, the trailer was great. And we were very, at the time, obviously, very much fans of Kevin Spacey, which is like, again, not uh, just not not what you want, I guess now. But he was obviously off of usual suspects, like very well liked from SNL and all these different things. The trailer for this movie ruled. Uh, it had a lot of good elements. And I remember going to see it in Lincoln Square on opening weekend with my friend and it was sold out. And I was like, we're not going back. This was the time you had to actually go to the theater or like call that movie phone to buy tickets. Not even you couldn't even uh, we not you would not use yeah, online. You can, you can use an app or anything. There no no cell phones. No, really. I we, and the online existed, but not for movie ticketing, or at least not we were aware of. So we got to Lincoln Square on like a Friday night or Saturday night, and it was sold out. And I was like, "F this, we're going to sneak in." And we bought tickets for for the love of the game, which was the big movie that came out that weekend. Uh, Sam Raimi and Kevin Costner, right? And just snuck in to see American Beauty. And I had the ticket. I probably still have it in my parents' house for so long from For Love of the Game. And we never saw, for, I never saw For Love of the Game, but I saw American Beauty and I was like, see that movie now. This rules. I was so excited about American Beauty. I thought it was so great. It really, uh, it was a, a great experience, a film experience. And it was no kidding. It made so much money. I feel like it did obviously strike a major chord with audiences and then Austin Powers like 10. So those are the box office movies choice. But then- there's dozens of movies here that were just significant movies. <laughs> so many. It's it's the best year of the decade. <laughs> I can't imagine reading all of them, but I'll just start with all of them, I guess. We've talked about 10. I would say I'll just run through. I'll, I'll briefly uh, just shout out a bunch. Varsity Blues. Love Varsity Blues. And so the good thing about this year is that there are like movies I love from like basically every month yes. of the year when it was released so varsity blues came out in january yes and this was also a great time if you were a dawson's creek fan like i was because dawson's creek had premiered a year before and like all the actors on the show were just getting booked left and right yes. for parts so obviously james vanderbeek i don't want your life amazing movie uh john voight probably i would argue uh, apologies to coming home and whatever he does now on social media but this is his best performance oop de oop oop de fucking oop so it's a great it's like, yeah, right. and then, uh, you know, R.I.P. Paul Walker, also big year for Paul Walker, because Paul in late Walker. January, she's all that. Great year for teen movies, 
So I was thinking, like looking at this when I was writing down literally 45 to 50 movies here as alternate movies and just exciting movies. The thing that makes this year so strong. And I was like, oh, because I was thinking like 97 is pretty great year, right? We talked about that, like Titanic and Goodwill Hunting and LA Confidential and Boogie Nights and all these all-time classic movies. But the thing that makes 99, I think, so special is that it is like all these different genres that are like peak examples of the genres, right? So like all these great teen movies, you have all these like auteur, like, young auteur movies like three kings or fight club or all these different being things john later malkovich. being john malkovich you have like these blockbuster movies like the matrix and i mean notting hill i would say is like kind of like big star movies i guess I or mean, whatever you want to say yeah like julia was back in her peak i mean i guess it you know she returned with my best friend's wedding but she had notting hill uh she opened the summer with notting hill in may and then in july she came back with runaway bride it just was like every version every like every item or every like on a checklist of things that like people like about movies it was like like i felt like knocked off this year from cult like almost immediate cult favorites so like here's another one i wrote on office space that was an awesome flop but it was almost like immediately flops that are cult classics like one of my faves drop that gorgeous and, but they all like tell me if you agree with it. I felt like they all were cult classics immediately. Like we saw, I saw Office Space in the theater. I was one of the few people who actually yeah, saw it in the but, theater. But I think the difference is like because without uh, now we have social media and the internet and everyone's super online. Like you, you just back then it's like you were like in your bubble. So like if you saw it with your group, like you know that like it's beloved with your group, but it's not apparent like to a wider audience yet until like you know, people start writing about it or something. Right. You know? The office space, I, we were quoting immediately. Not, uh, not can't say I've been missing it, Bob. Looks like you've been missing a lot of work. Can't say I've been missing it. I haven't seen it in a while. I should rewatch it. Uh, uh, we'll go back to office space because actually like watching office space and watching or thinking of office space and watching American Beauty last night had me actually realizing what I liked about those movies at the time. And like, I think it is like an age thing, but uh, other ones I wrote down. 10 Things I Hate About You, absolute classic. Things I Hate About You is my favorite. Teen oh, good. comedy so it came out the same day as the matrix on march yes 31st 1999 and already yes. march 31st i watched 10 things i hate about you perfect length 90 minutes obviously star making performance by heath ledger r.i.p unbelievable also julia styles i quote it all the time you know i always say i'm whelmed because i think that great. should be a word i should, yeah i love uh every I, this is another again I think nowadays, maybe a young person is like, oh, I love all these teen movies. But I'm like, this is like every one of the people in this movie is like a like so like Joseph Gordon-Levitt is like a, you know, like a minor or like not a minor character. But he's like the third or fourth lead. David Crumholtz is his friend. Just hilarious. Uh, he gets, Andrew Keegan draws the dick on his face. <sighs> Do I, I have a dick on my face, don't I? Great, great line reading. Just all time hilarious. And then, oh, and then when like keeps asking, like, what is with this trick? She has beer filled with nipples or something. Ugh. So good. A great music, obviously, hypnotized. And I was a huge Alex Mack fan in the yes. 90s, so I was very excited to see Larissa Wainick in this. Yep. She was also in the Babysitter's Club in 95, so. Uh, great soundtrack. Hypnotized. Mm-hmm. Can't take my eyes off you. Wonderful. Uh, the, yeah. uh, who's um, the, who's the girl? What's, um, who's, who's the cover band? Letters to Cleo, right? Isn't that the end? Yeah, Letters to Cleo, who he's uh, called in a favor to get to perform at their prom. So wonderful movie that, that, and uh, that that school a real high school to Padua mm-hmm. like it, it looks like a haunted mansion it's it's wonderful I love that movie so much actually I think of all these it maybe is my favorite too I, I worked on go was another one I really loved I saw, saw that yes. in the theater great movie uh Sarah Polly Ascendant great Timothy Oliphant loved it it was shameless Tarantino ripoff but actually like 
and he, like obviously post Pulp Fiction, Tarantino ripoffs were like very prominent in movies. But by bending this towards more like a teen uh, concept, I felt like it was like more fun, even yeah, though they're again, like they're like twenty somethings. I guess again, Katie Holmes, you know, off Dawson's Creek, and then uh, when did we talk about teaching Mrs. Tingle? When was this? Oh, for Helen Mirren when she got in yes. her SAG montage. Yes, she did not include teaching no. Mrs. Tingle and Correct. Michelle. Uh, never been kissed, which was fine. Can I tell you my never been kissed story? Yes. <laughs> so, um, so this is in spring 2000. So a year after it came out, because this came out in April 99. Obviously, I saw it. And then, so in spring 2000, it was the end of my freshman year. And in English, we had to, I don't even remember the assignment, but we basically had to take some contemporary art and write about it. Okay. So my friend, she was obsessed with She's So High by Tal Bachman. Remember that jam? Sure, of course. Yeah, so Great she wrote song. that. Yeah, I wrote about Never Been Kissed. Cannot tell you why, what I said. I don't even know if I have a copy of the paper anymore. It's probably in my parents' house, but I wrote about it. And then we, he gives our papers back and I have an, I got an A and on it, he wrote, see me after class. And I'm like, why? Isn't that usually when you do poorly? So I go see him. And then he was just like, this movie sounds so great. I've never heard of it before. And I was like, oh yeah, it came out last year. And he's like, I really want to see it. I was like, yeah, you should rent it or something. Yeah, it's good. And he's like, it sounds so interesting. He's like, fascinating. He's like, okay. And I was like, okay. And that was it. And I have no idea if you ever saw it. I never followed up. He never told me, but yeah. Pretty fun movie. Jo- about never been kissed. Josie Grozy. Mm-hmm. Uh, Election. I saw on VHS. Great movie. Uh, obviously, we'll talk about that, I think, a couple further here. But uh, Breakout for Reese Witherspoon, I saw it for Matthew Broderick also because of Ferris Bueller. And it was fun watching like Ferris Bueller grow up, basically. And that was like a that was like a pull, I think, for this, like having Matthew Broderick back in a, in a school environment as an adult was like kind of. But also a bad adult. Bad adult. Um, a disillusioned adult too. Uh, we mentioned a lot of those blockbusters. South Park was a major deal. Saw that in the theater. Absolutely hilarious. Could not believe what they were getting away with. Uh, and obviously an Oscar nominee. Wild Wild West saw a total flop. Disaster. Will Smith uh, running aground from his streak. Here's one I saw in the theater that I did not like. And then I revisited a few years ago and I was like, oh man, this rules. Summer of Sam. So Spike Lee directing and just a massive Scorsesean like just epic and it's so so good so good uh american pie sleeper hit total blockbuster blair witch project truly one of the scariest we've ever seen in theater uh loved it so much you see that one in the theater theater. i saw it on tv eventually um it was fine i didn't i wasn't a fan really i loved it so much we saw i think i saw it in bayside i remember driving home and actually being scared that somebody was in my car like it was so scary uh it was just really really scary movie uh eyes wide shut saw in the theater was left uh perplexed let's say i didn't see that in a theater i saw it on pay-per-view uh multiple i haven't haven't revisited it very much no i haven't either um again i was like okay sure uh, Deep Blue Sea, which I called Smart Sharks. Wonderful movie. Great twist when Samuel Jackson dies. Awesome movie. This is a lot of fun. Uh, Dick saw that in the theater. Rewatched it a few years ago. Still pretty good uh, with uh, Michelle Williams and Kirsten Dunst. Mentioned Sixth Sense, American Beauty. Three Kings saw in the theater. Classic Clooney. Fighting with David O. Russell on the set. That was like a big narrative at the time. This is, I'm not a huge David O. Russell fan, but I do like this movie. 
it's interesting. I am a big David Russell fan, but it is interesting to think how much he is not the same director as he like. So no. he did Three Kings. He did, I think, after this was I Heart Huckabees, right? Was that his follow up to this? Yes. Well, it was also like five years later too, when he yells at Lily Tomlin. Right. And those are very like different movies. Then he had a huge break because of like whatever he was in director jail basically, and like Mark Wahlberg brought him back for for fighter which is a pretty straightforward mainstream movie that i actually really love but it's not it has some of his touches with like the loudness of the family and then from the fighter he just did silver linings and american hustle both of which i really like but both of which are nothing like uh three kings i feel like they're just completely different yeah, filmmakers. i'm not like almost. into any of those movies so and then uh, <laughs> fight club incredible movie saw it in the theater was immediately smitten Loved it so much. Couldn't wait for it. Read the book for that. Actually read a book for this uh, choice. Boys Don't Cry, Hillary Swank. Did not see that in the theater, but saw it on VHS. Yeah, I saw it on TV. Um, I think the movie is fine. Like, she's better than a movie. Yeah, I think that was always the idea. And obviously now it'd be probably pretty fraught. But I think you probably have a, a trans actor in that role rather than Hillary Swank. But at the time, again, like what we were saying the other day about Philadelphia, it's a different time, let's say. Yeah. Uh, Being John Malkovich saw that in the theater. Lincoln Square again. I really like Being John Malkovich. Um, and I, just like, like the concept. It was very fun. I have not revisited it in so long, though. I wonder if it holds up. I saw it a couple years ago because it was on TV, but I only, it was like already halfway through. So I just watched the last, last half. Um, yeah, it does. Here the I'll just I'm, again I wrote down literally forty movies that we could just like uh, the Insider which I know you love I love the Insider great Michael Mann Russell Crowe awesome Ascendant Russell Crowe Al Pacino rules great movie Christopher Plummer probably should got nominated uh, Dogma which you cannot find but I have the DVD still but it's like completely out of print and totally it was a huge deal at the time because it was very controversial obviously from like a Catholicism standpoint and it was like. Kevin Smith doing a much different thing. I rewatched some of it recently. It actually is, it holds up. You, be, It's funny because like we talk about Man and Ben, I feel like all the time, but they're like the co-leads of this basically. Yeah, I remember when it was coming out and it was like Matt and Ben again. because Together you know, like, again. But when people talk about Matt and Ben together, they never talk about no, Dogma. No. That's because you can't, it doesn't exist because it's not on streaming anywhere for whatever reason. I think because of the Weinsteins and the rights or whatever. It's just gone. So if you don't have the DVD and the DVD is out of print, I think it's like a hundred bucks probably to get it on DVD or something. Uh, the Green Mile. So we're going to see a lot of these movies like this where it's the, the director who had a big popular hit or at home hit coming back with a follow-up. So like Shawshank Redemption was not a blockbuster, but boy, oh boy, in five years between Shawshank and Green Mile, did that become a popular movie? It was on TV all the time. So the Green Mile was like with Frank Darabont's follow-up, a major deal. And uh, I read the book. Did you read the book? No. And also the movie's not very good. This is a, this no, was a it, Phantom it was, Menace, like, let me convince myself it's good. Well, I never tried to convince myself the movie was good. I didn't see it four times. I just saw it once. I only um, saw it once too. It's not yeah, good. It was, it was fine. Um, I wasn't, yeah, the, the book is better, let's say. Um, I, I was also into The Bone Collector. I read the book for that. I never read the book. That was a good movie. Denzel yeah. and uh, Angelina Jolie. Yeah. yeah. Um, and also Queen Latifah as Denzel's right. nurse. Mm -hmm. uh, this one I loved. Any Given Sunday. Legendary Pacino performance. Great Oliver Stone fun. Uh, Man on the Moon, which was just tedious. Uh, he tried. 
everyone coming off another thing that was like more popular. Jim Carrey off the Truman Show snub of an Oscar coming back to do a serious thing. Uh, okay. Peter Weir, I mean, I'm sorry, Milos Foreman off of Larry Flint doing another kind of like historical recent history drama. Man Moon, not that great. Talented Mr. Ripley, I loved. I love Talented Mr. Ripley. Remember, uh, this is another one uh, saw in the theater and I remember it was packed on opening night whenever it opened wide, I guess, because I can't imagine, we saw this on like Long Island or whatever. And I remember the crowd was, let's say, uh, homophobic because they were just not into this. And I think they were not expecting uh matt damon's character to be gay and uh we're not responding well to so it you're saying I, they did not read the talented mr ripley they certainly did not read it and i don't know remember the trailer but i'm going to assume the trailer made it look more like a a, a hitchcockian uh romance kind of like not as much uh you know maybe made, made the trailer probably made it look more straight than it is let's say or heteronormative than it was and uh it was not well received and it made me sad because I was like, this is a great movie. It was so good. But I think because it was off the success of Goodwill Hunting, people were expecting like that kind of thing from Matt Damon. And it was not that. This is a better performance from him than his performance in Goodwill Hunting. I think that maybe is true. I think they're both great though, but I think he should have gotten nominated here. Yeah. Uh, Magnolia saw that in uh, Westbury, Joyce. Very long. Love it. Saw it again recently. Saw it in Westbury on the, the day of the Music City Miracle. Remember that football game? Uh, the Buffalo Bills and the Tennessee uh, Titans. Why didn't you see that day? Why didn't you watch the game? We were, I was in the car going to the game. I remember going to the movie and it was like, it was in, we were going to see it on Saturday night. And I remember watching, like, oh, the game will be over or whatever. And I remember listening to it in the car on FAN and then going to see Magnolia and being like, holy shit, that ruled. And then the Hurricane, which we'll talk about as a pretty fraud movie, uh, mostly forgotten to time, honestly. Norman Jewison and Denzel Washington as Reuben Carter. I knew the story of the hurricane from the Bob Dylan song, Hurricane. Right. Um, I just remember when it, the all the controversy surrounding the movie as it happened. Very dramatic. It was very, very um, much like- All of it, because it, it just yeah. completely impacted its Oscar campaign. It completely well. destroyed the movie. I don't know, if, honestly, I don't even know if the movie's any good. I have not seen the movie in literally- since I haven't seen it since it came out. Um, two thousand, probably. I it when it, I saw it on TV, like probably on pay per view, like in two thousand at some point. Um, yeah, so I already knew. So I'd already been aware of all the allegations of its inaccuracies and you know fabricated uh, like elements in the film. So I I remember watching and being like, okay, sure, but I don't know. Like I wouldn't have nominated for a best picture even if I didn't know about it or think you know, it's like a fictional tale or something. Like, I don't think it's best picture material. I don't either. And I think in the year when we're going through this 99 year, it's like, it's a footnote on the year rather than like a main major uh, player, I would say. Cause I could, like there are multiple movies we've just mentioned who I would have said could have been best picture nominees before the hurricane, certainly. Hmm. Uh, any other ones, Joyce, that I did not mention, I just mentioned like 45 movies, like I said. Um, I saw Broke Down Palace in the theater. Nice, Claire Danes and Kate Beckinsale. Yeah, and um, yes. So, but basically, the the drama behind the movie is a lot more interesting than the movie itself because Claire Danes made derogatory remarks about Manila. Mm, interesting. I don't remember and, this at all. Yeah. So, uh, the the Philippine government got very upset with her and banned her and her films. Hmm. So I don't know if that's still in place, but that's what happened at that time. 
So they're not getting a lot of homeland there, I guess. Probably not. Uh, any other ones? Um, let's see. Oh, Drive Me Crazy, another. Not one of the better teen movies. That one had Melissa Joan Hart and Adrian Grenier. Did I mention, uh, yeah, I saw that one on home. I did not see that one. I did not see this one in theater. It came out in the fall, but this was when they had Britney Spears' remix, Crazy. Yes. Great song. Yeah, great song. I, I do prefer the remix version to Same. the original crazy version on her album. So. Absolutely, absolutely the correct take. Yes. Uh, um, Idle Hands with my fave, Devin Sawa. So at the time, this is, I was, like I said, this is 1999, spring of 99. So I'm a sophomore, I'm a junior in college and we could do internships. And I interned briefly at Sony Pictures. Wow. as like in the publicity department. And I was just like, I want to intern there. And it was a much different time again. I don't think you could get these kind of things now, but I was just like, I want to intern here. And it was like, I was like, great. You can intern here basically. And it was a lot of like clipping press for them. So going through literal newspapers and clipping out like articles. Idle Hands is one of the few movies. This was a great time for Sony actually in Columbia because I didn't mention this one too. Cruel Intentions came out that spring as well. Yeah, Cruel Intentions, um, Bittersweet Symphony at the end. Amazing. Yeah. Cruel Intentions absolutely holds up. I've watched it recently. It's so good. Great, great movie. But uh, Idle Hands is not a good movie. But I remember watching it at the Sony uh, screening room, which I don't know if it still exists on Madison um, Avenue. I don't, I mean, I've been to their main office one. So they moved, obviously, now I think they're downtown. They're more like towards the Madison Square yeah. Park, I believe, right? Yeah, it's like uh, like by like 28th. But it used to be up by like 50, whatever. This is 30, yeah. 25, 30 years ago. And I remember going in the screening room there to see Idle Hands. They let me go to see one of the screenings or whatever. And they had, at the top of that screening room, there were like two like, like balcony seats almost like bigger seats like in the back I remember Peter Travers was sitting in one of them and I was like wow that's Peter Travers he's reviewing Idle Hands and I'm seeing it right now With and him. when he reviews it he will have seen the same Idle Hands that I saw it was very as if, as if they're going to change the final well time. no just the yeah, fact that I like I am experiencing his same at the same moment as he is and he's reviewing it uh, I don't hang Now you yet. go to a billion screenings and it's just like, who cares? And I'm like, get the hell out of here. I don't need to see these people. Put a mask on so I don't have to see anybody's face. Uh, <laughs> uh, analyze this. We we saw the we saw the birth of this at the Oscars uh, a few years ago when we were doing this. I forget which one it was, but uh, De Niro, uh, Billy doing a De Niro impression, I think for Awakening. Yeah, when he was, um, when De Niro was about to present the best picture clip. For... Yeah, for Awakenings? It was the, no, that year. No, not for Awakenings. No, what it, did they give him Dances with Wolves? They gave him something that was not The Godfather Part 3 or Awakening. It was Dance of the Wolves. You're right. That's funny. <laughs> um, yeah, so this is just a tremendous... I mean, we could keep going. Like I said, this is the biggest year uh, for movies. I mean, big year also for Catherine Zeta-Jones between Entrapment and The Haunting, which I saw repeatedly on pay-per-view. I definitely watched Owen Wilson get decapitated repeatedly. Uh, that's a great scene. Um just to create it's just everything American Pie did you see that in the theater we talked about it briefly but yeah I saw that in theater um I saw most of the summer movies in the theater except for the sixth sense because wow. I was like I, I I just like sometimes when like things are like too popular I don't want to see it right away mm -hmm. sure oh, that yeah. means I understand that I understand that vibe um yeah I, like I said so we're going so those that's the top we go into the Oscars uh as it turns out, it was a, they called it, and it even, they kind of, an inside Oscar talk about it, very wide open year. Now, as a person who was living through it, 
I didn't get that sense, but no, it, like back then, I, I mean, at this point I was 14 and like, I didn't get that sense at all. I, it was always American beauty. Same, but at the, <laughs> according to inside Oscar, it was, le- it was more wide open than maybe. But uh, like the way they, it was because they, uh, no one had an egregious amount of nominations. Like the, the nominations were tightly bunched. And yes. I think that's why they thought it was, but it was like American beauty was winning best picture everywhere. So American Beauty led the way with eight nominations. The Cider House rules. So it was, again, DreamWorks. That was the big thing was DreamWorks versus Miramax. So the year before, obviously, which we've talked about, same Private Ryan, DreamWorks lost to Shakespeare in Love from Miramax. And so there's this- a quote in Inside Oscar 2 from the one of the DreamWorks blacks who's like, we learned our lesson from last year yes. after, they, after American Beauty won the Globe. It's like, we're not going to take anything for granted. Correct. So they went ham on American Beauty. So American Beauty was uh, eight nominations. Cider House rules seven. Insider with seven from Disney. And Six Cents with se- uh, six from Disney. Talented Mr. Ripley five, which was a co-production of Miramax. I think in Paramount, maybe? Uh, and then The Green Mile with four. Matrix with four. Topsy Turvy with four. Being John Malkovich, Magnolia, Sleepy Hollow, and Star Wars with three. And then Anna and the King, Boys Don't Cry, End of the Affair, Music of My Heart, and Sweet and Low Down with two. That was how it went in. Uh, American Beauty won five Oscars. Like you said, while the inside Oscar says that it was a maybe a wide open race, it was by the time the Oscars rolled around, uh, it was such a fait accompli that Billy in his monologue suggested that it could go eight for eight uh, in Oscar wins. Did not That did not happen because it lost three key races. Um, but it wins five. Matrix wins four. Cider House rules and topsy-turvy with two. So uh, this is the... 72nd Oscars takes place Sunday, March 26th, year 2000. Yeah, they had moved to Sunday by this point, um, and also half an hour earlier to eight half years. an hour earlier, which is great because at the time, this was the longest Oscars ever. It was four hours and nine minutes, seven minutes longer you know than the year just before. wait two years. And uh, it was a new producers, it was uh, who was it, Daryl the Xanax, uh, right? Yes, uh, uh they uh, replaced Bill Cates, really, yeah. Richard and Lily Zanuck, right? They replaced uh, Gil Gates, not returning, but the Zanuck's corralled Billy Crystal. They did. And then, like, as Billy said, everyone wanted me to come back and they were asking and asking. They got him back. And I think the interesting thing is I actually noticed as we were watching it, uh, when I was watching it, I wonder if you did as well. Uh, it felt like a different producer. It was definitely a way, the vibe was different. The way they staged things were different. They had an announcer on stage, Peter, Peter Coyote. Coyote. He also did the red carpet announcements, yes. So he did the carpet announcements and it was like a lot more streamlined. It is. I don't have a lot of quotes from this one. I was kind of sad. No, none. Literally all of um, everything he said was just like the person's name, like no offensive qualifier. None. Or like weird qualifier. Oh, I found one offensive qualifier. Oh, the the Salma one? No, it was, uh, let me, I wrote it down. Oscar winner, Roberto Benigni. Um, the only two I wrote down were star of the upcoming rules of engagement, Samuel L. Jackson. Talking with, ho- talking with Hollywood's favorite columnist, Army Archer. Yeah. And then beautiful Sama Hayek and Ed Norton. Yeah. So and Ed he, Norton, you can't even see. Yeah. So he pointed out the couples. He did. Like Nicole Kidman and Tom Cruise. But yeah, most of his intros were just Oscar nominee name, Oscar winner name, whatever. Yeah. And then, so they have Billy come out and Billy actually does, instead of a monologue, he actually starts with it. It's a wonderful night for Oscar. It's Oscar, Oscar. actually like everything about the, the red carpet intros and his monologue is so brief that it's in one video. 
It is. Because usually the red carpet video is by itself. Yes. I, I really liked the way they did it because Billy then, it felt like when we last saw Billy, or at least when we last checked in with Billy, he had done a preview. When did he do? He did a, I got to go back. I had it open that I lost it already. How many times? When did he host? You mean like the all years he hosted? Hang on. His... Because I'm like, we had him. So like, we did 90... you mean like when we watched the ceremonies? Well, or... we did it. We did it all half ass. But he did obviously 1990. We have not actually done. He didn't. We didn't do his 90s show because it was the 89, the 89 movies. But he was there 91, 92, 93. The 93 one was pretty rough, right? Uh, and then the 97 Oscars was uh, English Patient, I believe. So that year he was fine. 98 was Titanic, and then he comes back for 2000. So the, when we last checked in with Billy, it was 93 for us. This is confusing. We're trying, it's like trying to, I know that's why I was like, what are you asking? You mean, this is like trying to, this is like trying to watch, (laughs) this is like trying to parse yellow jackets. I feel like we're in the writer's room of yellow jackets. Um, (laughs) You should check Reddit. 93, when he hosted in 93, it was really rough. We both said that was like a big nadir for Billy, I felt. But anyway, he comes back. So this is like his third time in four years, basically. And he is fine. And, but I think the fact that the reason it's better than the previous time he had done like a bunch in a row is that it's not as much Billy. It's like, he's doing his song. He tells a couple of jokes. It's not like just like a monologue and then a song, you know, the way it's like produced, I think is a little more interesting, I guess would be my point. Um, I thought like the show itself, even though it's so long, like it was, I, I, th- I felt like everything about it, like even the, the production design, like I remember watching it live being like, wow, this is a great set. So and I love really the way great. they, when, whenever they introduce some presenters and if they have won an Oscar, they show their winning moment on the screen. Like that was great. So that was awesome. They used a big screen for AV. They had like James Coburn coming out to support, present Best Supporting Actress and it's him winning last year. Or like yeah, Steven Spielberg. Judy Dench. And I always remember this when Judy Dench comes out to present, they play this awesome kick-ass remix of the Shakespeare in Love theme. And that was actually in the thing. I don't know if I screenshot it for myself or not, but it was like, they were like, inside Oscar pretty uh pretty dismissive of Bill Conti I think they call him like second tier hack composer I'm like the guy did like Rocky theme basically so like let's pump the brakes on the the uh the denigration it was great I was like but they put a new I was like can I get this on Napster you know they put they put a new uh it's Burt Bacharach I think and like somebody else I forget who it is uh let me see if it's on the Oscars page maybe let's see (laughs) uh was I think it was it was like multiple people. It wasn't. Yeah. Don Waz, Burt Bacharach, Rob Shrook, and Don Waz were the three music arrangers. And they talked about how they were, this is the first time they were having like a DJ in the little orchestra pit. That's why it's like a lot of like hyped up remixes, basically, like you were saying, like the Shakespeare in Love theme. That was cool. The other thing they did that I think they still do now is a lot more handheld cameras and like swooping around the presenters and stuff, which we I like. I feel like is a is a hallmark of this current Oscars telecasts or Oscars casts as we uh, remember. Um, so Billy comes out, he does the songs "Green Acres" for Green Mile, "People Who People Who See Dead People" for The Sixth Sense from Funny Girl, uh, "The Minute Waltz" for Insider. But that was a pretty impressive performance by Billy. If you're watching it, "Mame" for Cider House Rules. Just to Kane. By that point, the entire life of Cider House Rules had just been down to Michael Kane. That's it. Nobody cared about the movie, it seemed, anymore. It's just like, Michael Caine, we love him. The movie, I mean, I like the score from the movie, too. We talked about that, the score rules. We talked about offline, but Rachel Portman's score is amazing. And then American Beauty, that's why the Oscar, this 
this movie is a champ, I think is what he says or something. It's like, he's already like, this is going to win all the Oscars. Why are we here? We have four hours to kill just to get American Beauty all these Oscars. Um, yeah, totally fine. Billy, I didn't really write down anything down. He did. One thing he said, uh, this is how you know it's from year 2000. It's Regis's Night Off because of the time, yeah. Joyce. Regis yes, I know. I watched, I watched that show too. <laughs> was the most popular person on ABC thanks to Who Wants to Be a Millionaire. Um, um, well, he also referenced because this is the year when uh, 55 Oscar statuettes yes. were stolen. Yes. So a lot of references to that. And the man who found them, they obviously invited him to the Oscars. So he was there. So the man they invited, uh, uh, I have his name here. Hang on. It was, um, let me see. I have his name right here and I already lost it. Uh, <laughs> hold on. <laughs> this is scintillating. Willie uh, Fullgear, who was, quote, an unemployed junk scavenger, alerted the LAPD that he had found 52 Oscar statuettes while rummaging through a dumpster behind a food for less near Koreatown in, in California, in LA. So he gets the, the Oscars back. They invite him to the ceremony. They give him a $50,000 reward. And I think they're going to send him to the ceremony and not in a stretch limo. And he asked for a stretch limo that I think Access Hollywood ended up providing for him. But here's at the end of Inside Oscar Joyce. This made me sad. They talk about how the six months after the uh, this Oscar ceremony, a couple of tragedies happened. One, yeah, very sad. Uh, Richard Farnsworth dies by suicide. He's the oldest best actor nominee here for Straight Story, was very ill and died. So that's sad. And then the story of the missing Oscars, uh, hang on, let me see. And uh, Willie reported that he returned from vacation to find that thieves had stolen the safe in which he had put the $50,000 he got for returning the Oscars for safekeeping. Quote, I didn't get a chance to even enjoy my money, he said. They took the safe, they took some of my movies, my VCR, and they just messed everything up. So sad end to the missing Oscars. But at the time, no one knew that was going to happen. And there's Willie Fulgar, Fulgear in the crowd with Jack and Keanu Reeves and every famous person in the they world. They should have given him a front row seat. They should have given him more than $50,000, P.S. Because, I, know. I mean, uh, 50, is what is it, $1,000 an Oscar? $50,000? An $1,000 an Oscar? That's got to be more, worth more. Not even. It was 55 missing ones. <laughs> Uh, so, so, so we, so we'll do here. Uh, so like we said, not a lot in the ceremony itself. I mean, or at least Billy, but the, we'll do the best picture nominees. Uh, American Beauty wins. No kidding. Uh, the other nominees are the Green Mile, uh, Insider, Cider House Rules, and The Sixth Sense. It's American uh, Beauty. And then four other titles with the article the in front of them yes the definitive article uh look before we do the american beauty and whether it should win or not i have some notes on the nominees certainly green miles should not be in there i would say and at the time i think that was a miss i feel like the talent of mr ripley was six i thought the matrix might be six i don't know if they would have not i i think like the matrix would be nominated now not just because it's an expanded field but i don't know back then if they would have done for that even though you know they nominated the fugitive six years prior right so here were the here are the actually here are the five i came up with to, in addition to that before we're if we're not replacing green mile and we're doing a full 10 so i had matrix and mr ripley certainly i felt like we're right there i have being john malkovich i think was a strong like seven or eight honestly based on the nominations it received uh and the way they seem to really enjoy it it got a best director nomination for spike jones which is like kind of unheard of especially with the list of directors available to nominate i think for this year uh so that would be five uh, that was six seven eight i threw topsy-turvy in won two oscars very well respected from mike lee i think people really liked it 
uh, seemingly, though it's not as like a buzzy of a title as like Three Kings or Fight Club or any of the ones we were talking about. And then I put the last one I put in was Blair Witch because I just think it was an absolute phenomenon that people don't remember how much of a phenomenon it was. And I think if it was now, it would definitely have gotten in. So that's my 10. Um, yeah, like I also think even like Toy Story 2 uh, could get in and expand it. Yeah. Um, I don't know if they would put in both The Matrix and The Blair Witch Project because oh, they already have the Sixth Sense in there. Right. So I thought that, but I was like, I think the Blair Witch actually transcends it. Like, I think Matrix and Sixth Sense are clear, like, blockbuster movies. I think Blair Witch has enough, like, indie, like, grassroots kind of thing, even though it was a monster success that it kind of outweighs the, it's not like a studio movie. You know what I mean? Like, Sixth Sense and Matrix are, like, blockbuster fugitive type movies. Blair Witch, I feel like, is more like a 1996 nominee, you know, like an English patient type. I would put it in there, like the Year of the Independence type. You froze. Uh, maybe, I don't know. Maybe it's just my bias because like, I don't really care about Blair Witch. And like, I just, it, but like, is it actually a good movie or is people just kind of like fascinated by? I think the, it is a good movie. The horror element of it. I think it is a good movie because it, it actually fools you into thinking it's real. Like it was, people really thought it was real. I know that's silly to say now, but it was like, this is like a real thing. What, what would you, what would you put in there? What would your 10 be? Uh, being John Malkovich, talented Mr. Ripley. Um, like I wouldn't personally put Toy Story 2 in there, but I think it could get in there. And in a 10, yeah, Matrix. What is that? Is that four? That's four. And then you have one more. Um, I put in as my wild card, Notting Hill. Nice. Mm-hmm. That's, that's not bad. So we left off the other ones. I actually, one I thought actually could be in. And then the other three, other four here, I'm just obviously are not a shot. Sweet and Low Down is a Woody Allen movie that has two acting nominations. I don't even think, even before Woody Allen was uh, canceled, I don't think this is a very good movie. I just never was that into it, but I could see it maybe getting in in a, in a field of 10 at the time. And then I said Eyes Wide Shut, Fight Club, and Magnolia, though none of them would have had any shot, I don't think. No. Um, I think it, it was like, like Magnolia... Not, not that it was like, I mean, they, they know who like PTA is at this point, but I don't know if they were ready to give him the big nominations yet. Also, he was a uh, complete uh, infant terrible, uh, I think is the phrase at the time. There's a great, so Magnolia, this is like, he does, does Boogie Nights in the Magnolia. There's a great documentary that was on the, like the DVD of Magnolia that I is now uploaded to YouTube. So you can actually find it. I don't know if we talked about this or whatever, but uh, he is just the most, like no one has ever been as high strung nor cared about anything as much as Paul Thomas Anderson cared about making Magnolia. And he is like unhinged in this video. He's so particular. And so like, it's just like, everything has to be right. He's like basically willing himself to make like a magnum opus basically. So he really cared and he's nominated here for screenplay. And uh, when he loses, he's like pissed. It's like it's, fake. It's pissed, great because he's... at this point, he's also with Fiona Apple, yes. and then she's like, "Can we just get out of here?" Yes, I, I, I did. I did scan. Uh, let me see if I have that in here. We'll see. I, I, Joyce, I, I, I made the mistake of, of screenshotting too many. This is what happens when you read. You discover so many things, and you want reading share. is so much fun. I didn't even screenshot this fucking thing, but uh, it was basically like she was like kind of consoling him. And like, they were just like, get out of here. You're both narcissists and terrible, but whatever. Um, 
So American Beauty wins. With this list of nominees at the time, I think it makes complete sense. No doubt that it would win. If you're doing it now, I assume you would say The Insider. Um, in, in a field of five now. Yeah, the same yeah. list of nominees right now, I think Insider would win. Yeah. Um, I don't even think Insider was runner-up back then. Just no, because, Cider House Rules was. Yeah, because Cider House Rules is the only movie of these four losers that actually won anything. <laughs> so if in Inside Oscar, they talk about this. Basically, The Insider was a Disney movie that people really didn't like. And like 60 Minutes was mad about because it doesn't basically paint 60 Minutes in the greatest oh, no. light. And Michael Eisner was also not a fan. So it kind of like, it got in, but Disney just was like, cut it loose. They let it, like, just fully cut it loose. And so it didn't really put a lot of campaigning behind it. And it just kind of existed there as a nominee. So I don't think it had any shot. Cider House Rules was Miramax and they pushed it really hard. They pushed the uh, pro-choice narrative that it had as well. Because there's that, there's that amazing, doctor. Is that one of the ones you screenshot? Yeah, I did actually about Cider House Rules. Yeah. Yeah, and like the, the pro-choice and pro-life yes. aspect. So it's actually like, again, that movie I haven't watched in a hundred years. The so timely is- now. Stephen Hunter complained in the Washington Post. Think about, I mean, this is just a different time. So yeah. Stephen Hunter did complain in the Washington Post. The music movie is pure pro-choice agitprop as it tracks Homer's conversion to the cause of choice and posits the heroism of the abortionist. Pro-lifers will hate it on that point alone and they should be forewarned. But then I think, I forget who it was, maybe. Uh, it says, well, yeah, on the contrary, Amy Talbin of the Voice found the Cider House rules to be, quote, as paternalistic, puffed up, and dull as a congressional debate about abortion rights, end quote. Yes. Riping also that it was, quote, being passed off as a film in support of a woman's right to choose, but its implicit position is that abortion is wrong, except in cases of rape or incest. Worse still, right. it makes men the arbiters of what happens to a woman's body, and the abortion debate a defining factor of manhood. The mind boggles at the plethora of patriarchal assumptions, end quote. Amy Talbin, just yeah. on fire, no notes. That's a great, and, and going out on a limb. Just like share this quote again right now. <laughs> we could. Uh, going, I think going out on a limb as well, because at the time, I don't think that was probably a popular opinion on uh, the no. movie. Uh, so good for her. Um, so Cider House Rules definitely would have been the runner up. I, I think somebody was in the Inside Oscar was saying maybe Sixth Sense would have been a good choice. I love the Sixth Sense. I actually as the best picture winner? Well, as like an alternate, like would that have been the second choice beyond Cider House Rules? Again, I don't think Disney put a lot into it and they didn't really care to because it made all its money and it was like a blockbuster hit. And by the time the Oscars were around, it was just like, hey, great. Sixth Sense feels like the ghost of this nominees. Wow. How long did it take for you to come up with that one? Pretty pretty long. How long have we been recording? Is an hour already? <laughs> um, so American Beauty Choice. Uh, at the time, it was one of my favorite movies of all time. Absolutely loved it. I thought it was so funny. I, uh, I liked it. Yeah, I liked it a lot when I saw it, but a lot of my friends were obsessed with it. And I feel like it's just, it, it kind of, like people can be so pretentious about it. Like the people who love that movie and one of my friends was, and now like I can, I can talk about this because now she freely admits that she was insufferable talking about this movie. <laughs> and this it, is even like pre like all the Kevin Spacey stuff. Cause, so, but she was like obsessed with the bag and, and she just thought it was so deep and moving. I'm like, okay, sure. I'm like, it's, it's a satire and like, I like it, but she went like way overboard that she would talk about the movie every single day. <laughs> I remember, so I, what I loved about it and even watching again last night, I used, I actually at the time thought it was hilarious. Like, I think he is like, it's a really funny performance. Mm-hmm. 
And I think the thing I liked about it at the time and the thing I liked about office space at the time is that I was just about to graduate college and I was already disillusioned with the idea of having to go to work for like the man, right? Or whatever it is. And so watching like grown men revert back to like their teenage life is yeah, like very compelling. And also, yeah, a lot of movies this year also capture that Y2K angst as well. And obviously a lot of angst. The crisis element, right. yeah. And a lot of like, it's in Fight Club, obviously, like a generation of men who are just like kind of lost, yeah. right? Like, even though that's a satire too. But watching it now as an adult, more of an, I mean, I get, I was like 20, 21 when I first saw it. So like, you could argue that's an adult, but I would say like 21 and over is an adult, whatever. Uh, and then watching it last night as like a 43 year old man who is somehow one year older than Kevin Spacey is at the start of the movie, which I had a hard time wrapping my head so around. Weird. Very strange. He's 42 in the movie. Uh, I was like, oh man, this guy really sucks. And like all the stuff I liked at the time, it's like placed completely differently now as an adult who is just like this, what are you doing here, dude? So like, I feel like it definitely doesn't work. And I think that's why a lot of the critics- Yeah, like funny. a lot of, even with the spacey element out of it in recent years, yes. that's how a lot of the backlash to it has started. Correct. And I think that makes sense. So I think it was a movie actually made for like, repressed adults who are voting for Oscars and like 20 year old kids who think Kevin Spacey is fun from Saturday Night Live. That's, and, and that's also why you have so many young actors in it as well. All of whom are amazing. And watching it again yeah. last night, I was like, wow, they're really, really good. Like it, putting aside the, the fraught nature of I the movie. BAFTA went hard for them. I think they nominated Thora and I Wes. Have, I, think I think Wes I and think... Thora should have gotten nominated. They're really remarkable. So, I just think they're so good. BAFTA. Oh my God, that's um, too many tabs. Yeah, so BAFTA, okay, BAFTA nominated Wes Bentley and Mina Savari and Thora Birch. So they-, they Honestly, no notes. I would I would maybe do the same thing. Um, but yeah, Insider, I think, would probably win now. Yeah. I mean, I would have voted for it back then of those five anyway. Right. Uh, and then director, we can do, because we always do that here as well. The director nominees match the picture nominees for Spike Jones. So Sam Mendes, he wins for American Beauty. It's his debut feature. What a way to start. Uh, who's a stage director, basically, gets plucked to do American Beauty, cozies up to Steven Spielberg, and then the rest is history. Lassa Hallstrom for Cider House Rules, uh, Spike Jones for Malkovich, Michael Mann for The Insider, and Night Shyamalan for Six Sense. No Frank Darabont, again. No Frank Darabont again, and no way should he even nominated. But I had him obviously as like an alternate. The other people I had as alternates were the Wachowskis for The Matrix. It had so many tech nominations. I think they probably could have gotten in here. So the thing why I don't know if the Ma like Matrix would have gotten to Best Picture back then, like let's say replacing The Sixth Sense, is that clearly its support was below the line. Like I I feel like maybe even I don't think like the Bukowskis were close to a best director nomination but maybe it could have gone screenplay yeah you know like I don't think it had enough widespread support to get into best picture right and then Minghella for talented Mr. Ripley feels like yes. a no-brainer that he should have been in here but again it's a tough five to knock out I think now if you're doing it like Lassa Hallstrom I would boot you know no offense to the Lassa Hallstrom hive and Lassa Hallstrom you just hate because you have not seen his other film What's Eating Gilbert Grape so. no or the shipping news but I did see Sirehouse Rules in the theater so 
uh, Spike Jones for Malkovich. I mean, there's so many directors here we could have talked, like we said, like Paul Thomas Anderson, Stanley Kubrick, final nom- like a posthumous nomination for Eyes Wide Shut. I, I'm surprised, honestly, they didn't do it, frankly. I don't think that, I don't think a lot of people are huge fans of that movie. So. I think in hindsight they are, but at the time it definitely yes, did not yeah. respond. Yes. Uh, Fincher for Fight Club, Alexander Payne for Election, Mike Lee for Topsy Turvy probably was pretty close based on how it performed elsewhere here. Yeah. Um, but I don't, I don't think that they nominate him at BAFTA. I don't think they did. I, just I don't think it. so. So, so Mendy's wins. I mean, like watching it again last night, it is definitely first time director stuff. And he's openly talked about how he didn't know really what he was doing. And he like relied on Conrad Hall to basically like set up the shots and explain what was happening and like fully. Which and he had like, to redo a bunch of uh, already of scenes that he already shot too he redid a whole first week because it was bad yeah the other thing that's interesting about the movie and this was known at the time because i remember it was like like either i think it was maybe on the initial dvd there's entire framing device that they just deleted and like basically the movie is like when the movie opens with thora birch being like we should kill my dad and it's like you come back to that scene like later and it's obviously that she's joking around but there's a mystery component to the movie the first time you're watching it where you're like, who killed Lester, right? Like you don't actually know who it is. And then it's obviously the Chris Cooper character. But then there's more of the movie at the end where like they're arrested for his murder, I think, and stuff. And like it ends up being like, it's a whole like convoluted like punishment thing. And I don't know what, if they even get arrested. They don't, might not get convicted or whatever, but that was all just cut out. They like deleted all this stuff in the edit. I think they actually shot some of it. And they delete it all in the edit. So it's like very much a movie that was put together in the editing. The The ending of that movie is good. It's funny. The beginning is amazing and the ending is amazing. And I think- well, the, you know what I always say in the movie, you need a great beginning, great ending. And that's what people remember. <laughs> it's really good. And then there's like parts in the middle that it's kind of dragging. And also Kevin Spacey's not in it as much as you think. Like it's a, he's not like- No. It's more of an, it's much more of an ensemble. It's also funny because I don't, at the time, I like no one- ever I guess because like it is you know like Lester dies and it's about his like crisis like no one ever questioned him being a lead whereas people were like oh Annette Benning could go supporting she easily could have gone supporting yeah it's and so could have he but I understand why he's a lead yeah whatever um Mendes wins I guess if I was doing it now I mean, I would say M. Night, I mean of all these movies M. Night Shyamalan does I think the most masterful job because it's just like hard to pull off that kind of movie and have it connect in the way it does. And I think while Michael Mann is great in The Insider and Spike Jones is doing really fun stuff in Malkovich, I think that's more of a Charlie Coffin movie than Jones. And mm-hmm. so I would put actually Shyamalan in as the winner here. I think he could have won. Wow. It's a great direct. He's just, it's such a good movie. I mean, it's definitely his best movie. Although I do really like Unbreakable. I think he's usually good, but I do think this is his best movie. Yeah um also not a lot of people know this but he did a lot of passes he was a ghostwriter on she's all that so yes i did know that that's a good one a lot of people discovered it on twitter a few years ago yeah yeah Mm -hmm. um so best actor choice kevin spacey wins for american beauty the nominees were russell crowe for the insider richard farnsworth for straight story was the oldest acting best actor nominee ever Sean Penn for Sweet and Low Down as like a Django Reinhardt analog. And then Denzel Washington as Reuben Carter. As I found out in reading this Inside Oscar chapter, 
Denzel was the front runner here for most of the season and then was derailed by the so, outcry against Hurricane because of it. Funny, so obviously what I remember at the time was I just always assumed that Kevin Spacey would win because Spacey. American Beauty was winning best picture right and yes. like I know I like I watched the Gold Globes that year and mm-hmm. uh Denzel won that but it was but I was also following the controversy with the hurricane and it never felt like that film was strong enough for him to win best actor mm-hmm. you know like Kevin Spacey just had the stronger film and it, it wasn't like people were like oh Kevin Spacey sucks in this movie you know exactly I I found this like maybe not revisionist because it's like written probably close to the time, but not the way I remember it at all. It right. did not yeah, seem like exactly. Denzel was anywhere close. I want no. I wanted to read one thing to you after the nomination. Just talk about talk about it. this. It's aged as well as milk. Uh, Kevin Spacey was in Las Vegas making his new movie, Pay It Forward, but he was up bright and early to speak to the media after the nominations. After he talked to the Today Show, host Matt Lauer stated, "Good things sometimes happen to good people." And Kevin Spacey is good people. Wow. Incredible. Uh, so different time. Um, yeah, so Kevin Spacey wins. I, I wrote down other people for this category, obviously. I, watching it last night, I understand why he won. Russell Crowe is ascendant, and he wins the following year for Gladiator, so I'm not surprised he didn't win. I think he would have been runner-up instead of Denzel just because the movie was stronger, though, again, that Yeah, and this is honestly... Russell's three nominations. This was his best performance. Right. It's really like, good. Gladiator is fun. Um, but yeah, he was really good in this. And obviously, he was coming off of LA Confidential. So just a great run for Russell Crowe in a like five year span, really. Right. Um, um, yeah. But so I also I have Al Pacino for The Insider. I had Al Pacino too for The Insider. I think he could have gotten nominated. It's a great Pacino performance. And I also would have Al Pacino for Any Given Sunday, which is an all time Pacino performance. Uh, Jim Carrey from Men on the Moon obviously was like a, a factor, but never seemingly serious. And the movie did not take off. No, he won the Globe. Jim Carrey was the original Jared Leto going method, right? This is Jim Carrey on Man on the Moon is like Jared Leto on Except Suicide Squad. Jared is already an Oscar winner. Yes. <laughs> uh, the people, the two people I wrote down who I actually think should have gotten in somehow, though I don't know where I would have put them. Matt Damon for Mr. Ripley, like you said. Yeah. It's arguably better than Goodwill Hunting. He got in for Goodwill Hunting. It's a great performance. And then he's not nominated in acting again until Invictus. Right, which so. is not a good movie or a performance. <laughs> uh, and then Bruce Willis for The Sixth Sense, I put in. I think Bruce is going to be, I think we're going to look back, obviously, because of the sad, like, uh, that he is now retired because of his, his health condition. Um, it's sad that he never, I just think this is a great performance. He should have probably gotten nominated. It feels it's like this would have been like a Harrison Ford presumed innocent nomination. I mean, a witness nomination. Yeah, it's like, he, he is good in it. Um, I do have him. I have both of them. I, I mean, I would definitely put Matt Damon in. I don't know if I would put Bruce in, but I guess now, like in retrospect, it's like, oh, he has never been nominated and likely will never be nominated. Sadly. Right. Unless they do um, like, yeah, they'll do like. Yeah, this, this would have been like a nice nomination for him. I think he's just kind of, people think of him more as in... I think in like the Schwarzenegger realm of just yes. like action star than uh, someone like even Tom Cruise who can do action stuff and also act. Mm-hmm. I agree. Um, 
So Kevin Spacey he's, wins. He's, he's very funny too. Um, he's great. I love Bruce Wayne. He's an Emmy he's winner. Awesome. Yeah. I mean, if I was knocking people out, I would knock out Sean Penn. I don't think that's an essential Sean Penn performance at all. No, this uh, this nomination felt like. I mean, to be fair, the actors just like Sweet and Lowdown because Amanda Morton also got in. But it it was this time um, that it felt like they were trying to get Sean Penn a win somehow, and yes. they were just like nominating for stuff because yeah. he lost or Dead Man Walking, which was a good performance, um, and then he'll he's gonna get nominated for I Am Sam in two right. years. <laughs> right. Um. So Kevin Spacey wins. He goes up there and he he thanks Jack Lemon, which is His also. Idol which is also uh, Mendes thanks uh, Billy Wilder. When you watch him, watching American Beauty now, it's like, and it's funny, again, as a 20 year old kid, I had not seen the apartment. I don't think, I, I think the most, uh, in, in only uh, Billy Wilder thing I guess I saw was like some like it hot, I think I saw at the time. So it's not like something I was super familiar with. And it's so indebted to that movie. And the performance is such a ripoff of Jack Lemon that you watch it now and you're just like, what the, this is like, almost pantomime at times you know what I mean like it's like hard to take Spacey seriously because he's doing Jack Lemon, who he obviously like I knew Jack Lemon from like Glenn Gary Glenn Ross which is like my touchstone for him at the time um so yeah it was like it is funny that he thanks Jack Lemon. I'm like he probably it's the movie is just so derivative of all those old movies it's like Sunset Boulevard and the apartment basically mixed together with like you know David Lynch kind of but not really mm -hmm. I don't know um Best Actress, Joyce Hillary Swank wins, wins for Boys Don't Cry. Uh, Annette Benning, incredibly pregnant. She would have her baby, her fourth child is Warren Beatty, who is a, a Thalberg winner at the ceremony. Uh, she has that child, I think, a few weeks later. They, I believe it was on April 8th, if I'm not mistaken. So it's like a week later. Yeah. There's many, many jokes in this about her giving birth at the ceremony. Her delicate condition. Uh, and I remember thinking, so this is weird. Again, if you read this, inside Oscar it wasn't really an upset but I remember thinking it was at the time oh really I never it's did you think Annette was gonna win because yes she won SAG I thought she was gonna win because she won SAG and because American Beauty was just sweeping I just thought it would win everything I so I never felt that way because to me um Hillary Swank if we're gonna go back to the Denzel thing she was clearly a lot stronger of a front runner than Denzel ever was like she yes. dominated critics this was everyone was just like enraptured by this turn. It's a great performance, um, and it's more of a not quite stars born, but just like her next level, like her rising to next level. Like obviously, she had next Karate Kid. I knew her from her eighteen episode stint on Beverly Hills Nine Hundred Two One Zero. She got fired, and then she was able to do this. Yes. So, um, but yeah, to me, like I never really thought that. I mean, yes, like Annette could win if. American Beauty was dominating, but I felt like uh, Hillary could pull it out because it, it felt like people were just much more in awe of that performance than they were of Annette, who was, who's good in American Beauty as well and would have been a fine winner. And it's kind of sad she is not a winner still and has lost twice to Hillary Swank. Yes. Um, maybe we'll do that one. Maybe we'll do Million Dollar Baby in our next, our next series of these. But uh... Janet McTeer was a nominee for Tumbleweeds, Julianne Moore for End of the Affair, and Meryl Streep for Music of My Heart. This is a, a weak category, I'm just going to say. It, I mean, like, no one really, no offense to, I mean, Janet, um, she won the Globe, didn't she? I think she won at the Globes. Yeah. Um, yeah, she won the Comedy Globe. Um, it, yeah, no, no one, they were not, let's say, they were not in the conversation for the win. 
<laughs> and it makes me it makes me sad that like I don't understand how with that list. I mean, I guess I understand because it's like Meryl's gonna get in because she's Meryl and it's like a Miramax movie. But like Reese Witherspoon for election. If if bad movie came out now starring uh, I mean Reese had been acting before election obviously like she would get in now. Do you think election. she'd win now? Against Hillary Swank? Yeah, I actually think she might. I don't think she. I mean, we also have to assume that like Hillary Swank playing Brandon Tina now in 2022 wouldn't happen. Yeah, I don't think it would happen now. So, but like I think a Reese Witherspoon election nomination would happen now, and if Reese were nominated back then, she would not be beating Hillary Swank. Okay. Uh, the other people I wrote down was Julia for Notting Hill. Big year for Julia. Yes. Notting Hill, I think, is the superior movie to Runaway Bride. Nicole Kidman for Eyes Wide Shut. I actually think is a great performance and like against type for her at the time. Um, Paltrow for Talented Mr. Ripley, though, maybe supporting. Um, I have I have Kate Blanchett in supporting. I mean, you I have Kate in supporting too. Supporting, I guess. So right. if you do like one of them in each category. So uh, Hillary Swank wins. Joyce famously forgets to thank her husband Chad Lowe. Became and a running she joke. Rectifies it five years later. And then they then they split anyway. Yes. Um, but here's she said backstage. First of all, I have to say something that I didn't say when I was up there. As you can all imagine, it's very surreal up there. I have got to thank my husband Chad Lowe. Applause from the reporters. Love an unbiased media. And I'm doing it right here because without him, I could never have made it through this experience. So thank you, honey. You're my everything. And then Chad Lowe said. Uh, what did he say? Hold on. Did I skip that part? I must have. But he was like, now I get to pick the movies we're going to see for the entire year because he got snubbed by her. He was like weeping. And uh, nice moment. Totally fine. Yeah, nice I, felt moment. I, I always really like her dress. That's a great Oscar winning dress. Yes. Yeah. Even it though it's was. gold and that's kind of cursed now. Remember when Glenn wore gold for the wife? Yeah. So, yeah. Um, um, but also uh, the presenter for this category the then reigning best actor winner Correct. and this is the first thing i honestly think of from the ceremony is when billy crystal introduces roberto benini yes with annette and then he chases him around the stage yes here's a quote i didn't see who said this but from inside oscar quote when roberto benini appeared and everyone remember that last year he actually won best actor couldn't you feel the entire planet trying to look away and blame someone else you know, um, it's been so long now that they should just release those ballots. And oh my God, I would love to see that. The names, like not not anonymous ballots, like the names of people <laughs> who voted that year. <laughs> um, supporting actor, potentially an all-time lineup of nominees. Michael Caine says this in his great speech, which I pulled up because I just love it. Iconic speech. Michael Caine wins for Cider House Rules. Uh, the other nominees were Tom Cruise, for Magnolia, iconic Tom Cruise performance. I think arguably his best performance. Michael Clark Duncan for The Green Mile. Definitely uh, not what you want, I don't think, but it was um, a breakout performance. Yeah, breakout performance, RIP Michael Clark Duncan. Yes. Um, I prefer him in Armageddon, Joyce. Uh, Jude Law and Talented Mr. Ripley, just an all-time performance. Another like breakout performance. Yeah. Breakout. And then Haley Joel Osment for Sixth Sense. So another breakout like performance. Great lineup. <laughs> Uh, Michael Caine's speech is wonderful. First of all, I was asking you this and we didn't even, I don't even know if you know the answer then. Why was, it felt like it was, everything was about Michael Caine winning an Oscar. He had already won for Hannah and Her Sisters. Now he didn't go to that ceremony because he was filming Jaws 4. Yes. And I think he had that famous quote where he's like, 
I don't remember. I, I, I don't remember the Oscars, but I remember the house that Jaws 4 bought me basically. Right. Like something like that. So uh, that's great. Good for him. So he's now, at least this is the only time he's ever going to accept a competitive Oscar is right here. Was that enough to get him like just the, he gets a standing ovation. People are like throwing themselves at the stage. So excited that Michael Caine wins an Oscar. I was just like, I don't know. It, 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 and her sisters wasn't even that long ago. It was 13 years ago. It's um, so Tom Cruise won the globe, which is not surprising really. Cause it's no. globes, right now he gave that globe back. If I remember correctly, he gave all of his globes back. Right. So yeah, it just, so, and then Michael Caine won the SAG. SAG, I think in its sixth year mm-hmm. now. Um, but it, it it felt like it was more of like a win out of like reverence for him. Right. You know what but I mean? It, it just is strange to me that like, it, you, he, he got the treatment that an Al Pacino would get or like uh, Glenn Close would get now where it's like, we got to finally give this, great he already is an oscar winner an oscar but he already was a winner it's just very strange i didn't understand it um yeah i mean it's it's a good performance in the film um and yeah it, it just felt like they they were not maybe they were not ready to give i think for the the like michael carr duncan jude law Haley joe osmond they might also be too new because we've talked about like how you could be an ingenue if you're a woman yes. and win, you know, early on in your career. But for men, you have to wait a little bit longer. Right. Um, and it, it would have been, this would have been a great, again, I think when, it, when Tom Cruise is, retires or is not long, like this no is longer, a miss. this is going to, we're going to look back and say, wow, he should have won an Oscar for Magnolia because it's so clearly a spot for him to have won because Michael Caine already has an Oscar for a movie that's not as well remembered, I don't think, as Magnolia. And for fact is, like, why not Tom Cruise? But Michael Caine's speeches, I just want to read it. You said you watch it all the time. I love it. Um, watching the all the others and thinking back to when I saw the performances, and I was thinking of how the Academy changed the winner is to and the Oscar goes to. And if there ever was a category, the Oscar goes to someone without there being a winner. It's this one, because I did not feel like being the winner. You have Michael Clark Duncan, who I'd never heard of, quite frankly, who is astonishing. You have Jude, who's going to be a big star no matter what happens. And then was later in Alfie, right? Remember, I think mm-hmm. that's after this. That's fun. You have Tom, who if you had won this, your pot price would have gone down so fast. Have you any idea what supporting actors get paid? And we only have one motorhome, a small one. And Haley Joel Osment, what an astonishing, where is he? There he is. Haley, when I saw you, I thought, well, that's me out of it. So really, I'm basically up here, guys, to represent you and- as as what I hope you will all be a survivor, which is actually bittersweet, obviously, because my Duncan has sadly died. Um, yeah, great speech. Yeah, great speech. And he seemed very moved by it. Um, so, but this lineup could also be better. So what'd you come up with? So obviously I have my guy, Christopher Plummer for The Insider. So Christopher Plummer for The Insider, I think would have been yeah. great. I have a I know, few- And I feel like maybe if he had been nominated, like maybe he could have won because it's yeah. like also at that point had not won yet correct obviously um in a legend so but yeah I, I don't think like they were maybe it's just compounded by disney's lack of interest in campaigning for the insider that he just missed out and he doesn't get nominated or his first nomination doesn't come for another 10 years so yeah right um i also would do philip seymour hoffman in magnolia so- 
which Philip Seymour Hoffman though that's the thing that's why I think he didn't get in because he has Magnolia he's Magnolia. wonderful in but yeah. Talented Mr. Ripley I think is just an, a legendary performance he it is, is so um, good but I I prefer him in Magnolia I think he's better in Magnolia and he actually has more to do in Magnolia but I think that's an issue is here is that the, he probably split his own I think he could have split himself here a little I also feel like the the focus for them was Tom yes yeah and I think maybe also why Tom may have lost is not them not just them thinking oh we'll get him down the road or whatever but also like oh sort of like what uh Michael Caine says like oh he shouldn't win in supporting right uh we talked about this a little listers winning in supporting all the time so Brad Pitt we talked about this a little uh Wes Bentley for American Beauty I actually think he should have gotten it and it's this astonishing performance it's cliche now and it's like kind of whatever obviously the movie like we have said it's cursed but wow he's so good in it it's really really good performance I think he's just wonderful um people would never get in that I wrote down Brad Pitt for Fight Club just an all-time performance legendary Brad Pitt performance uh no notes and John Malkovich for being John Malkovich I think he won one of the critics awards he did I think yeah um but again hard to argue I mean like we would knock Michael Clark Duncan is like the easy out but I like really like Michael Clark Duncan and like the movie's not very good but it is a good performance and it's like he's uh, comes out of nowhere and is like basically the co-lead of this movie with Tom Hanks yeah so you know and I don't know I think yeah I think the makeup of this category made it easy for Michael Caine to win yeah it did but there you go. Uh, supporting actress Angelina Jolie wins for *Girl Interrupted*. First time we're mentioning that movie uh, here. Uh, totally fine movie. She uh, has her moment with her brother that was like heavily memed and like mocked for no reason. So stupid. Like she loves her brother. Okay. I, even back then, I'm I was like, this is so juvenile to trying to make it more than it is. It's also when you watch it when she wins, the way it's talked about, you would think they're like fully making out, and it's like she just is like gives him a hug. Yeah. So I'm like okay I don't know why is this why was this a thing why do people care and then she just whatever? says I love him so much it's like yeah, yeah she loves no, her brother no so shit. much what's yeah. wrong with that yeah uh Tony Collette for the Sixth Sense great performance Catherine Keener for being John Malkovich Samantha Morton for Sweet and Low Down and Chloe Sevigny for Boys Don't Cry Catherine Keener the oldest person nominated here at 40 this is all young nominees uh Angela and Julie wins it was a big breakout movie for her and like kind of like again like this was a no doubt win it was not a shock at all yeah she swept um, I didn't really write down a lot of people here, though I think you could have had Thor Birch, like we said, and Mina Savari for American Beauty both in here. Um, both of them are incredible in the movie. I, again, Mina Savari has a tough role because it's just is like, I mean, it's just all over the place, but she's really funny and she has like great line readings throughout. And Thor Birch, I think, is so affecting. So if I was going to put them in, I would probably knock Samantha Morton out and then maybe tony collette sadly because like Nicola was a surprise um i mean I, I'm, she is good in it and i'm glad she's an oscar nominee um like also for this movie too so um Screen obviously as we've talked about multiple times before cameron diaz snubbed being john Malkovich. tough tough beat i mean yeah I guess Catherine, I, I think it was maybe more like, again, like Cameron Diaz should not get an Oscar nomination, basically. That kind of, I think it's biased against her more yeah, than Yeah, because it's, it's happened multiple times to her and now mm-hmm. she's retired. So unless she comes uh, back, you, you missed your chance, guys. Um, yeah, Kate Blanchett, like I said before, for Talented Mr. Ripley. And then she would never get in. But 
Allison Janney for Drop Dead Gorgeous. Wow. Iconic performance. $90.99, big year for Allison Janney because she has Drop Dead Gorgeous. She's in 10 Things I Hit About You. Um, and American Beauty. American Beauty, obviously, in the West Wing premieres in 99. Big time for her. Yeah. Uh, the other person I wrote down was Julianne Moore, just the hysterical in the true sense of the word performance. I love her so much in it. It's, she's so big. It's really great. And she has like multiple Oscar clips, I feel like, that they could have run. Um, yeah, Angelina Jolie, I don't really, I, I gotta say, not a movie I've seen in since 1999, Girl Interrupted. I saw it, I remember we watched it again at like a sleepover at my friend's house and it was fine. Yeah. Just, yeah. I, I just remember it being Winona Ryder's passion project. Right. And Angelina thanks Monona Ryder in her speech. It's a nice speech. Yeah. Uh, we usually do screenplays here, Joyce. Original screenplay won Alan Ball won for American Beauty, seemingly a slam dunk win. Uh, Being John Malkovich nominee for Charlie Kaufman, Magnolia, Paul Thomas Anderson, Sixth Sense, and Night Shyamalan, Topsy Turvy for Mike Lee. If I was giving out this now, 100% Sixth Sense should have won, I think, even more so than John Malkovich. And, and I think I, I, Sixth Sense could win now. Although, I mean, like American Beauty is the best picture winner. I think it would win now because I think it would be like they'd be more inclined it's to do cool the cooler movie. It's like the Get Out win, even though I wouldn't compare like obviously Get Out Social Message versus Six Sense is a lot different. I think like it could win here. Um, but yeah, and this is uh, you know Alan Ball. So Alan Ball was a TV writer, and then you watch American Beauty, and you're like, yeah, it's a sitcom. I mean, that's like was it, even at the time that was like the derisive way to describe it, and it is very much like a tv writer movie and there's one part i forget who says it was it is it conrad hall or is it it might be conrad hall when he wins and he's like what a great script by sam oh it feels oh. like he wrote it oh no 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 it was sam and uh was it no or uh, it wasn't sam because oh, it no was no like, it was kevin spacey it was kevin spacey Kevin Spacey in his speech is like, what a great script by Sam. Oh, I mean, it feels like he wrote it because like he did change so much, I think, in the editing and all these different things. And like, it was a great win for Alan Ball, obviously. And like, he went on to do Six Feet Under, which is a beloved show and, but- True Blood. <laughs> True Blood. But uh, yeah, just, it definitely has like television elements to it. Um, and I don't think it would win. I don't, I, I actually think you could argue it's the fifth, the best screenplay in this list. Yeah, like I could also, like being John Malkovich could also win now. Certainly, and Magnolia could certainly win, especially with like PTA having not won. You know what I mean? Like just seems like an easy spot. And Topsy Turvy probably for Mike Lee has a good shot. The other- Well, I mean, they just like nominating him. <laughs> the other two I wrote down were like Matrix and Blair Witch, I think could be in here. Like you were saying Matrix, oh, yeah, I like think. Matrix. Mm -hmm. Certainly would. And then for adapted screenplay, uh, Cider House Rules wins for John Irving, who uh, adapted his own book. The other nominees are Election, Alexander Payne, Jim Taylor, Green Mile from Frank Darabont, The Insider, Eric Roth and Michael Mann, and the talented Mr. Ripley, Anthony Minghella. A great list of nominees. I would probably give it to Mr. Ripley or The Insider if I was doing it now. I, I think back then I would do, and even now, I guess, either Insider or even Election too. I really election like could win. I think if it was now, it's a cooler movie, so it would win. Um. um yeah, the Setter House Rules win um, was like somewhat surprising. Again, Setter House Rules, two Oscars this evening. <laughs> um, but yeah, this is a good lineup um, in general. It's funny that like, like we said, 99 is such a good year for movies that even though there are probably dozens of movies that have not been nominated here or not even referenced, like the actual nominees are still good. 
You know what I mean? Like there's not even like, there's not like a lot of fails here. Yeah. I would say. Um, I want to do score because you were mentioning it before. Uh, Rachel Portman for Cider House Rules. Love that score. The winner is John uh, Corigliano for the Red Violin. Can't say I've uh, listened a lot to the Red Violin score. The other nominees are Thomas Newman for American Beauty, which is an iconic score. Completely Mm -hmm. iconic. Recognizable within instant, I feel like. Even now today, I think people would still recognize it. John Williams for Angela's Ashes, which is just like a Merrill Music of My Heart nomination. Nobody remembers this score. No offense to John Williams or Angela's Ashes. Just he's there because he's John Williams. Cider House Rules for Rachel Portman and Gabriel Yared for Talented Mr. Ripley. Um, lot of, a lot of stuff missing, I would say. Uh, among them, the Matrix score, which we hear four times during uh, the show. Just an awesome score. The other one I would have put in for John Williams is The Phantom Menace, because like we were saying, the Duel of the Fates, which is like the key track from phantom menace which again is like in trailers and everything is like his arguably like one of his best cues not nominating here for this score i think that's strange and rachel portman should have won for cider house rules yeah uh, i mean you could also have done double thomas newman because he also did the green mile and that was good i guess it was good but i'm like it's not very memorable to me i mean i think no. I, i'm surprised that thomas newman did not win for american beauty this is one of yeah, those places like, he, lost. he still hasn't won so I can only imagine it lost. I was trying to think about this. So it was going to go, Billy, like I said, suggested eight for eight. It lost Best Actress to Hilary Swank. Like we said, that wasn't necessarily the biggest upset because she was like the critical favorite. Mm-hmm. It lost Editing to the Matrix, which is somewhat surprising, I think, at the time. But also a cool choice. Cool choice, get. similar to like Girl with the Dragon Tattoo winning, I feel like. And then this it lost to Red Violin. I can only imagine that American Beauty and Cider House Rules split the vote and that it was pretty evenly matched and Red Violin won with like, because of that that would be my guess yeah i don't know i mean i'm just looking at all of his other nominations right now <laughs> i mean obviously he lost for shawshank um what year what did you lose that year to so that year he so that year he had a double nomination because he also had little woman but like mm-hmm. little like you wouldn't that year was um lion king so he wasn't winning that um and then he had unstrung heroes which like no and that was when it was split in comedy musical or drama so and it has american beauty wrote a petition finding nemo lemony snickets a series of unfortunate events the good german wally which is really good and then he has a song nomination also for wally uh skyfall saving mr banks bridge of spies the iconic film Passengers, and then finally 1917. Should have won for American Beauty. I think that's where he gets his win. But yeah. uh, Red Violin wins. And then the song, Joyce, You'll Be In My Heart from Tarzan wins. Phil Collins is an Oscar winner. The other nominees were Blame Canada from South Park, uh, music and lyrics by Trey Parker and Mark Shaman. It was a big to-do of how they were going to do this at the Oscars. Robin Williams does it. It's an iconic show-stopping performance. Just loved it so much. Uh, music of my heart for music of my heart another diane warren loss save me from magnolia by amy mann i think is the best song here and then when she loved me from toy story by randy newman here is uh trey parker uh after the oscars uh, talking about phil collins he told entertainment weekly quote i was just so fucking angry losing to phil collins fuck him it sucks it sucks i could have lost to amy mann and been like okay that's cool she's cool my grandkids are going to be like, 
Fuck you, Grandpa. You lost to Phil Collins. Also, you could see a baby Lily Collins in the audience clapping for Phil Collins. Aww. Yeah. So uh, pretty great. Uh, yeah, I don't know. At this time, they would have given it to Blame Canada. Like, I think it could win now. I think it could win now, though. I don't know. I think it, I think Save Me might win now. Mm, maybe. Um, I mean, we know Diane's not winning, so sorry. No. Now we don't, she doesn't need to win. She's got her honorary Oscar. It's fine. She's going to keep on her piano. Um, so that's basically it. I mean, we, we're kind of like that too. Like I said, this show is four hours, uh, not 10 minutes, very long show. Do you want, we're wrapped up here, Joy. So we're done with the 90s. We did it. I was saying, I texted you last night. Let's, do you want to rank the best picture winners of the 90s? My list is chaos. Of course it is. Let's start with 10. You want to go from 10 to one? We could each do our. Our tens? 10 to 1. So my 10 is Braveheart. Yes, mine would be 2. Not a good movie. My my 9 would be Dances with Wolves. <laughs> Same. My 9 is Dances with Wolves too. My 8 is English Patient. Mm. I always, whenever I rank stuff, I, I always have trouble with like 7, 8, like that area I just don't really care about. Yeah. Um. I'm trying to decide between English Patient and Forrest Gump. Um, so probably, have, probably I'll do English Patient too because I have seen Forrest Gump more than I, I put have. Forrest Gump seven. Yes, so I do Forrest Gump seven. <laughs> so we have the same bottom four. Uh, here's just like we said, Braveheart and Dance Wolves. If you've been watching any of these, not a fan of those. And English Patient, perfectly adequate three star yeah. Oscar bait. You're not reading it. Yeah. I've seen a hundred times. It's completely problematic and pretty dumb, but it's still more entertaining to watch than those other three. Uh, number six for me is Unforgiven. Okay. Um, six for me would actually be Titanic. Wow. Okay. It's not like I, I enjoy it fine, but I'm trying to think about the last time I saw it and like I don't remember it really. So you know what? This is one of, the few movies I saw multiple times in the theater. Yes. But yeah, I'm never like, oh, let me watch Titanic or I really love Titanic, so. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll revisit Titanic on my list much later. Uh, number, so what was your six? That, that was my six, Titanic. Oh, Titanic, yeah. duh, wow. <laughs> uh, five, I have American Beauty. Um, Five, I yeah, I would do American Beauty. And then uh, four, I have Schindler's List. Four, I would do Unforgiven. Okay. And three, I have Shakespeare in Love. Um, yeah, I'm trying to, mm. wait, what else is left? Because I know my number one. So I think we have the same number one. My number one is Silence of the Lambs. Yeah. My number two is Titanic. Um, but what so else do I, what so else do you, I have? You're left? missing. Oh, Schind Schindler's List. list. Mm, so yeah, I, I would do Schindler's List. What are we on? Three. Three. I would do Schindler's List three, Shakespeare in Love two, and Silence of the Lambs one. So we all have the same one, but I went Titanic too. Titanic is uh is good. I watched I'm, it. I'm picking the movie that beat my favorite movie for number two. So wow, uh, not a <laughs> bad list. Movie a lot. So 
not a bad list. Not a not a bad run of, of the decade, I'd say. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think if, if you were doing this 10 years ago or 15 years ago, like you'd be like, wow, that's a great list of movies. I think time has been unkind to un- American Beauty and Forrest Gump. Yeah. And I think uh, the others have actually stayed okay. Like Shakespeare in Love, I don't think even, I think Shakespeare in Love still has a solid reputation. Silence of the Lambs obviously is unimpeachable. Such a great movie. Yeah, and then these other, I mean, Braveheart, even though I don't care for, uh, you know, it's still highly memed. Um, obviously, Mel Gibson factor, whatever. Yeah, sure. I know, uh, canceled, but that speech, people still quote it. You yeah, know. it's at sporting events. You know, it's a meme yeah. when it's like at sporting events. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and like English Patient, again, like a very handsome movie. Totally fine. Yeah. Feels like. Um, that's it, Joyce. So that's it. We've gone through the 90s. What have, what have we learned? That the Oscars were much, my, here's my takeaway was the Oscars were much better in the 90s than they are they now. They were. Yeah. And they, they also cared less about catering to the masses. Yes. Even though you have the quote from the ABC executive, but that's still ABC, not like the Oscar people. Right. Being like, we need to give Phantom Menace a billion nominations to get people to watch again, even though we just went down to 45 million viewers. Right. Um, huh. So now we'll come back, Joyce, and we're going to have to figure out what we want to do next. I, I think we should do uh, some early 2000 ceremonies. Myself. So I would just say right now that I do not want to do the 2010s because that's too recent. I agree. Emotions are still too high, too raw, and it's only fun when you have a lot of distance like we yes. do from the 90s to look back on stuff like this. So we could do either the 90s or we could go into the 80s, but I think the 80s winners are not as exciting personally. Um, best picture winners it's a lot of yeah like epics um and i like the idea of the 90s was great because we had the modern i feel like it's like the modern oscar broadcast because billy kind of ushered that in we could do the billy 89 ceremony 90 ceremony i guess that you want to like do a, driving the Stacey. yeah we could do like a bonus episode of the 90s for that and then we can maybe think of like like i really want to just do the departed year i love that year it's a lot of fun and i think we could do million dollar baby because Annette lost again to Hillary Swank. Yeah, so maybe we'll do those two. And I think we could do the Driving Miss Daisy one because a uh, lot of notes on that. A lot of notes on those winners, let's say. Another uh, just, Tom Cruise loss. Right, maybe he could have won. Uh, the Danny Day-Lewis one, I don't know, we'll see. Uh, Joyce, this is so much fun. Talk, uh, we've gone way too long. It's longer than Belfast, certainly. Uh, so talk to you later. Bye. For all things Hollywood competition and awards, head to goldderby.com. Follow us on social media at Gold Derby.
It's time for today's Lucky Land horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.